the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's a Fed rate day, and I think we should talk a little bit about this. The Fed's, in theory, 80% chance going to raise interest rates today. It's the first rate hike in nine years. Why? Well, let's go back nine years ago. What you had was a slowing economy, and essentially you had disaster ha- start to happen when, well, let's go back even, let's go back nine years ago, before we start getting into the whole uh, bank disaster and the 2008 recession. Um, the Federal Reserve's job, it's a bunch of bankers that get together and they kind of robble. Robble to me is make noise. So the Federal Reserve... President from Dallas will get together with the Federal Reserve President from Atlanta with San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia. You get the idea. And it's bored, and they they rotate who votes and who don't vote. And maybe Dallas is seeing no inflation. Housing prices are going down. Oil prices are going down. Whereas San Francisco is seeing housing prices going up and rents going up, and you know more more and more people moving to the Bay Area for jobs. So one governor sees things as very bullish, and one governor sees things as very bearish, so they have a different opinion. And they robble. They go, robble, 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 robble. And all of them get together and robble. Robble, 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 robble. Philadelphia's doing great. New York's doing poorly. Boston's doing great. Um, and sometimes it's uniform across the board. Things are great. Sometimes it's, it's terrible across the board. When it's terrible across the board, we get into a deflationary environment. People start to lose their jobs. So the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates to encourage people to borrow money, whether it's corporations or individuals. And let's see if I can keep playing this out. When things are going great, that causes inflation. Um, 
and think of it as job inflation, which creates wage inflation. And that's a bad thing, as much as deflation's a bad thing. Great economies are just as bad as horrible economies. Uh, because great economies create imbalances, as do horrible economies. So a great economy, for instance, was in, you know, the Bay Area back in, two, in the 90s. Um, and there was a lot of inflation. You know, restaurants were able to charge you more because you were making more. They brought in crazy executive chefs. If you go to other parts of the United States where the economy is not as strong, they don't have as great of chefs. And the chefs don't make as much money because of the crazy amount of inflation that's happened here. Um, and when the, the restaurants start doing well because there's more people, because there's more jobs, people have jobs they want to go out and eat, well, the landlords say, I'm going to raise rents. I'm going to raise costs on you. And it's inflationary, and it can be bad. It's very Goldilocksian, a little bit too hot, not good, a little bit too cold, not good. Um, so playing that out, you know, that's what the Fed's idea is. When things are, are slow, they lower interest rates to encourage cheaper cost of money. And the idea there is if you and I decide we want to start a business and we can borrow money at 1%, we don't have to make a lot of money to pay back that loan. But if it's at 10%, we got to make a lot of money to pay back that loan. Maybe we, won't, we don't take that risk. So it's easier to take the risk to be speculative. That's why the Fed lowers interest rates. Now, the Fed has a dual mandate. They don't want to see too high of inflation, and they don't want to see too low of employment. That's the basic idea. But when there's high employment, there tends to be high inflation. And when there's uh, low employment, there tends to be low inflation because fewer people are, you know, Get, uh, running up and down services. So that's the whole idea. So I don't even have to go back nine years ago. I could just start it right there. Who is the Federal Reserve and what do they do? Okay, I got through that with the, the whole governors. They are, in theory, separate of Congress and separate of the government. Um, some people want the government oversight. I don't. Some people want the Federal Reserve to completely go away and just let stuff figure itself out. I was going to use a dirty word, um, the dirty word for excrement, and just let excrement figure it out. Let excrement happen is the idea, right? That's not a bad idea either, because gold would find its own levels. And, you know, borrowing, you know, bankers would figure out, like, I'm not going to lend money to your, your, your cockamamie drunken scheme. But if you have a good business plan, a bank would say, yeah, no problem. Apple's building an office space that looks like it's from a different planet. Apple's selling a lot of phones. Now, there's, you know, in times where the economy starts to slow down, uh, banks may go, well, you're not going to sell as many phones and not for that much money, and we're, <laughs> we're not lending you money. But when things are great, they're like, hey, take it. We'll make money off you. You'll pay it back. So what's all this fuss about? Um, it's a change. It's kind of um, a different lens. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, you go, okay, that must mean the economy is doing well. And we're at 5% unemployment, and the housing numbers that came out today basically suggest we're going to be hiring construction people for the next 18 months. So our, our jobs numbers should go lower, okay? And that should create more inflation than we currently have. So they're trying to get ahead of it by raising interest rates. Um, obviously, raising interest rates affects a lot of things, not just borrowing costs on construction, but borrowing costs on mortgages. 
Um, the idea there is your credit card's going to go up. If your credit card's set at a rate of 12%, in the coming days it may go to 12.25% because the Federal Reserve says, you know, hey, banks, we will give you money. Come to us. Right now it's at 0%. Just ask it for us and we'll give banks money. We'll, we'll make you very liquid. If tomorrow they say, okay, new rules, instead of giving it to you for free, we're going to charge you one quarter of a percent on the short-term lending. Well, that's going to get passed on to credit cards instantly. It won't get passed on to mortgages instantly because short-term lending on credit cards is instant, whereas the 30-year mortgage is 30 years. And 30 years from now, you're kind of like looking at inflation expectations over that period of time. And that's why... Short-term, there's no inflation, right? So that's why it's 0%. But long-term, you're going to get a mortgage of 30 years. It's going to be about 4% interest rate because the expectation is for inflation to be somewhere between 2 and 4%. Let's say 2%, and then banks want to make some money, so they charge on 1%, and then they're going to resell the loan, so they're going to charge on another percent, and that's where it comes up with 4%. So it starts at 0, and expectation for the next 30 years is 2%, and then throw in some, some profits, you can protect your 401k by laddering bonds if you're in bonds. Otherwise, I'd say keep things pretty normal. Maybe add a little bit more financials right now. How has the market historically done when we raise interest rates? Historically, the first couple years, 10%. It's the latter part of the cycle where you start, you know, where it goes from 0 to 25 basis points to 50 basis points to 70 basis points to 100 basis points. It's that latter part of the cycle where things kind of, whoa, you're slowing down the economy too much by raising interest rates. There's one sector that loves rate hikes, and it's banking. In particular, I think Bank of America. There's one stock and sector that does very, very poorly, in my opinion, gold. That's my opinion on the Federal Reserve and what you need to know. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Call Rob Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. Looking forward to the uh, announcement from the Fed today and get this thing lifted off, right? It's been a long time coming. The last time interest rates were higher, I was married to the Playboy model. <laughs> it's been nine plus years. Uh, it's been a long what time. Look like now, hmm. <laughs> not bad. Not, not bad. I Facebook stock on occasion. Um, oh, you. You're with New Focus Financial. I'm with New Focus Financial. What are the odds, in your opinion, the Fed raises rates today? Well, the odds I would say are ninety percent. Okay. Um, There's always that 10%. Why not? I mean, I mean, if, if they don't, I mean, let's just say if they don't, because there's always the if. I, I don't think the market's going to like the result of, of what they say. 
everybody's already dealing with kind of just a slow growth global economy. And if the Fed comes out and says things aren't good enough to get out of extraordinary quantitative easing, which is where we are, um, the market's tired of it. Uh, we want to get back to normal. So I think it would be I think it'd be disappointing if if they did. I mean, does it really matter if they raise it or not? I mean, it's a quarter point lending rate between bank, overnight lending rate between banks it doesn't immediately flow through to a 30-year mortgage, for example. Um, so it, it's it's something that they need to start do, doing and communicating well. Um, and I'm already sick of these terms on Wall Street: one and done, two and through, and all the dumb things that you know financial media makes up, but get used to it. Must stop watching CNBC. Um, <laughs> okay, so interest rates, they're near historic, they're at historic lows. Um, right. They've been there for, you know, roughly six, seven, eight, nine years, depending on how you want to look at things on when last time they raised versus the, when they hit zero. Um, that's a long time, Chad. That's, you know, if you only work from age 20 to 60, that just took up bait roughly 10 years. Took up yep. 20, 25% of your, uh, Investment was pretty good for Wall Street. What do we expect will happen um, when the Fed raises rates to Wall Street? Um, well, like I said, it's not really a lot of immediate issues that's going to affect um, you know the average person. The okay. if if you look at it in terms of banks, everybody wants to see banks make more money. If you look at insurance companies that have a ton of cash on their balance sheet, or even technologies that have a ton of cash on their balance sheet, it's actually going to help their earnings a little bit. Um, when it comes to financials, everybody wants to see the financials rally as a result of increasing interest rates because that helps the net interest margin. Basically, the idea of uh, I take in your deposits and pay you, you know, X, and then I loan it out at X plus one. Um, so you have to be careful though because the demand in mortgages as interest rates go up will go down. So you have to make sure that rates in that interest margin increases fast enough to offset the lower demand for mortgages. So it's something to keep an eye on. It's not a reason to jump headfirst into financials and drastically overweight just anything. Um, the, what's really bugged me about this and that we're seeing it fall apart now is the high yield bond fund market. And what this has done for investors is push them to go out well beyond their risk tolerance and search for income. So people are looking at their 401ks and seeing names like strategic income or just names that are really just hiding what's underneath the hood, which is crappy bonds. They're called junk bonds, high-yield bond funds. Call them junk bonds. And the SEC really needs to get after these mutual fund companies and ETF companies that are coming up with names that are really completely dishonest. Um, you had funds... Uh, like Third Avenue uh, had a fund that you know just basically blew up, and junk bond should have been in the name. It's called Third Avenue Focused Credit. Now, does, does that sound scary to you, Rob? Third Avenue Focused Credit? Not in the name, no. Right. So it, maybe it was in somebody's 401k. Well, that fund is down 35%, and what they did is they actually stopped redemptions. That is not a good thing. Basically, what that fund did is, you know, very, very low quality, focused in sector focused, because a lot of these oil companies um, that started as a result of the oil boom with fracking and and shale and all the other stuff that we have going on, they they really needed to borrow a lot to expand as quickly as possible. And it's really junk bond market. And some of these funds and trying to outperform their peers really went way too far into these oil companies and energy companies. 
And so other ones like Avenue Income Credit Strategies, doesn't sound too risky, down 21%. Uh, a bunch of Credit Swiss bonds slash commodity funds down well over 20%. Even the PIMCO Long-Term Credit Fund, down 13%. And junk is not in the name in any of these funds, and it just really, really irritates me because I think it's very dishonest to investors. Um, there are a couple of other things, too, I wanted to point out. Um, HYG, which is an ETF that tracks basically the, the uh, junk bond or high-yield corporate bond market. Um, in the last three months, it's down uh, about 6.5% or so. Um, so kind of expected in this fall apart. Most of that decline has come in the last month and a half. Um, but the other thing I want to warn investors about is these inverse ETFs. And ETFs, some of the trading is becoming a real problem. Um, you saw that kind of in that recent flash crash where trading prices were just all over the place. But the high yield, the inverse high yield example of that is HYHG or HYGH. Um, that's where it's, it's supposed to be an inverse of the high yield one. So if interest rates go up, the idea is that that fund would go up right along with it. But the inverse version of that actually has fallen more. It's fallen almost 9% over that same period of time because it still has the same credit quality and it still has to do with nobody wants to buy it. So you don't get a good price on it. You see what I mean? So there's it, some of these ETFs, it's, it's, it's kind of getting a little bit overdone on what's going out there to the public. The names are incorrect. And junk bonds should be forced into the name of these funds so investors know what they're getting in their 401k. So if you, know, if you have a high-yield bond fund, I'm almost starting to look at it and say, okay, as soon as the, t- the year-end tax loss selling is over and we get into January, there's going to be yep. some big opportunities somewhere in this area as long as you wait for the selling to subside. Um, so you know, it could be too late if you already were, were in it, but you still need to pop the hood on these funds. If you have them in your 401k, high yield, strategic income, any bond funds that are down over 4 or 5% over the last year, Say what's in them, and if if there's a lot of really low quality bonds, or they're really concentrating in one or two sectors, I would I would really consider uh, changing your asset allocation, and and let this be a lesson. If you got caught in this stuff, don't don't get caught in these things. Don't not pay attention to what you own inside your 401k or inside the funds, and just think that the name means it's safe bonds. Sounds good. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can hear him here on KDOW Mondays and Tuesdays at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of surveys there about how risks, how your risk profile is and how you should be investing. He is a certified financial planner. He can take your portfolios and help you with a financial plan, everything from helping your kids fund college to what your retirement years are going to look like and managing it through to the end four. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And this is Sia. Take us to break. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Out of 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Trying to get you to retirement. One of the things that's tied towards your financial picture, obviously you've got the stock market, you've got investing, you've got car loans, you've got college costs, you've got, you know, do you buy a home or not, but you also have taxes. Let's talk a little taxes with Rafael Tolino with the IRS. How are you, Mr. Tolino? Hey, Rob. Long time. How are you, my friend? I'm good, real good, in fact. Um, we, you and I talk basically twice a year at the end of the year because let's talk taxes next year, but also during tax season. Um, end of the year, what are some of the tax stories out there that we're going to be focused on? Right. Well, what you can do by the end of the year and right around now, of course, since uh, we're talking about that, is maybe look to reduce your tax bill as part of your financial picture, as you mentioned, all the things together, taxes being part of it. Uh, consider reducing your bill uh, as we approach year end and pay less tax in 2016 or increase your refund, of course. And to do that, you might look at your portfolio and consider your investments as uh, as this show uh, gears itself towards, right? And, and that would be, uh, you know, deducting your capital loss up to your capital gains plus an additional $3,000, which you can do if it's outside pretty much a uh, retirement account like an IRA or a 401K kind of a, a plan. And so consider doing that if you've got a loss you want to uh, cultivate, if you will, and on your taxes you can help offset that a little bit. So take a look at that. Make charitable contributions. Not a bad time of year for that, of course, and then you have to understand the rules. There are some rules there if you are looking for that legitimate tax deduction on your on your 1040. Uh, you can also uh, consider maximizing and contributing to your retirement plans as part of that, and you can deduct uh, contributions to an IRA if you're eligible to do that, so you might consider that. Uh, maxing out your 401k-type plan is also a, a good idea. And then uh, take a look at other expenses and things that you have. You might defer, you might accelerate, depending on where you are here in the last uh, two and a half, three weeks uh, to see. Actually, it's yeah, just over two and a half, just under two and a half weeks, right, 15, 16 days. Anyway, to see where you can uh, be to make it best for you here as we approach the end of, uh, of uh, 2015. So what other tax ideas should be people, bleh, like um, I know at the end of the year I'm always thinking, okay, uh, rush in and get a charitable tax donation done. I kind of look at my tax deductions and see if I can benefit from it versus my income bracket. Um, how much I should give um, is affected by that decision. Uh, charitable donations, they don't extend to 2016 for 2015, do they? Yeah, usually you know, on a tax return, anything you take, you incur, if you will, in the year you incur, it goes on the return uh, for that year. So if you make contributions, uh, by all means, you should do it on or before December 31st. If you do it by credit card on or before December 31st here uh, and you pay it in 2016, you can still put it on your uh, 1040 for this year. But the key is incurring it in this year for the most part, for most things. Uh, the only thing I can think of off the top is the IRA contribution you can make for 2015 all the way up until April 18th, uh, 2016. So there's that. Uh, you might consider your medical and dental expenses. I know some folks out there might be considering they're at their deductible, they're above the limit, and all these other things. You can deduct medical and dental expenses. That's on your IRS Schedule A. So, uh, you know, flexible spending accounts, that kind of thing. You want to maybe uh, empty that if you are at that point, although you do get a carryover into next year for most of those. Uh, but uh, you get the idea that you want to take a look at taxes as part of your bigger financial picture to save a few bucks, and uh, certainly uh, doing those kinds of things uh, can be a benefit to you, no question about it. 
What other reminders should you we be throwing out at the end of the year? End of year kind of things. You might consider for some, depending on how complex your situation is, to a system of some sort of record keeping, be it electronic or paper or otherwise. You know, because if good, accurate record keeping serves two purposes. One, you don't want to overlook something, a deduction or a credit that you're eligible for, and the paperwork and uh, things that you saved up could be that that you need for a reminder, right? And then in case uh, you need it for substantiation, uh, you certainly want to have that paperwork with you uh, as a reminder. Everything to think about uh, for the second year pretty much is the Affordable Care Act, and that's going on your Form 1040. Most of us are just checking a box, saying, look, we have uh, employer-sponsored or government-sponsored uh, insurance coverage. However, if you did purchase insurance to the marketplace, uh, covered California, and you got a tax credit for that, then there's some reconciliation that's going to go on. And uh, you definitely want to make sure you keep that in mind when you get your Form 1095A, which will help you uh, reconcile and either get a refund because you paid uh, too much based on your income and your situation, or you may have to pay a little more if things changed in 2015. This is the second year for that. If you didn't have coverage and you were supposed to have it, there are a lot of exemptions, a lot of them that I definitely encourage folks to look for uh, that may have you not paying the individual shared responsibility payment that you would have to pay if you didn't have coverage per what the law says and what we're supposed to minister on the tax side of things. And then finally, you're going to get two new forms basically coming next year, 2016, a form 1095B and C, which many and most will receive from your employer and your insurance company indicating that you had coverage. And those are information forms, really nothing to do with those. Just keep them with your paperwork but certainly new forms coming uh, from the Affordable Care Act. So there's a couple more things uh, uh, to mention as we get closer to your end here. The IRS has got a ton of, believe it or not, in my opinion, or to me, believe it or not, the IRS has got a lot of a lot of YouTube videos where a lot of people can go search for uh, YouTube and type in charitable contributions, IRS, and bam, I, uh, YouTube videos pop up and podcasts pop up. When would, When did that happen? Raphael, it feels like the IRS used to be this paper-heavy world uh, of bureaucracy, and now they seem 21st century all of a sudden. Yeah, we definitely are out there trying to do what we can. We've been doing YouTube videos for the last several years, podcasting. Uh, certainly uh, the website has a lot, a lot, a lot of self-service tools we're pushing people to uh, to get information and get the things done they want to get done. We have an app, uh, that kind of a thing. So there's lots of uh, technology we're using to our advantage, no question about it, as much as we can. Uh, based on what we have going uh, behind the scenes that will let us provide information because, as you know, there's a lot of uh, boundaries with disclosure uh, things we have to be careful with in terms of information from taxpayers. But we're certainly doing what we can. The YouTube vids are good. Thank you for mentioning them. Uh, You can spend about a minute and a half. Most aren't very long. Uh, We just want to give you 90 seconds more or less of information that you can kind of better understand the rules or uh, what's going on with this out of the other. We have videos and things and all kinds of information for uh, tax professionals and, and uh, self-employed business owners, that kind of thing. We have lots of uh, resources to help folks understand better taxes. So thanks for mentioning that. It's certainly something we're moving towards. And uh, as we get away from or get into more of uh, self-service and technology to take care of things uh, yourself, 90% of taxpayers e-file. You're just hitting enter. There's no more paper for most of us. We're just hitting a direct deposit for the refund. I mean, things have changed so much, of course, and we're doing the best we can to stay there right with it. I like the IRS, and there's this perceived 
phrase that I hate of trying to beat the IRS, beat the IRS. And I think, you know, for better or for worse, I think, you know, we have taxes and uh, we shouldn't try to beat the IRS. We should play along. And one of the things I used to do and I don't do anymore was call the IRS when I had questions. Yeah. Um, 800-TAX-1040. Yeah. Um, is that still around or is it just understaffed due to budget cuts? Uh, the latter. The latter of what you just said. It's still around. And, uh, God, we're having such a tough time answering calls. We're, it's, I'm so sorry to offer that. Uh, if you call the agency, you, you're going to be on hold. If you get through it all. You're going to be on hold for a long time to get through. That's why I mentioned all the self-service tools. If you go into an office and there's a bunch around right. the Bay Area, you might find some uh, waiting time before you uh, actually can get into the office. Uh, so do understand we're doing the best we can with the resources we, ha- we have. Uh, I know as we speak now there's a, a budget being considered in Congress and what's going to happen with that uh, and what kind of uh, uh, look we get going forward into 2016, really going to do what we can to – uh, administer all the tax laws that keep coming and at the same time provide the service we're supposed to provide with the resources we have. We have people retiring and there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but we're certainly doing the best we can with what we, what we have. Uh, but going back to what you say, uh, yeah, calling the IRS, uh, can be frustrating and I'm sorry to offer that, but, uh, uh, certainly we hope the website will be where your first stop is. That way, if you can get it done there, then you don't have to face that, uh, that phone call that may or may not have you getting through. I think the website's pretty solid, and uh, I can tell you on the state level, it's impossible to get through. I've called, you know, the Franchise State Tax Board. It's, it's, that's just useless in this day and age. But they've got wonderful live agents where you have that little, you know, pop-up in your, um, on your computer, and you can get your questions answered that way. And I think that's not so bad. All things considered. Anything else you want to throw at us, uh, Raphael, as we wrap up the year and think taxes in 2016? Uh, I know, but I, well, one quick thing, but I will say thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. I've always, I always enjoyed the conversation. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, it's good stuff. And, but I guess I could probably say, look, under no circumstance is the IRS calling you out of the blue, uh, demanding immediate tax payment, threatening a lawsuit. Uh, threatening arrest and then following it up with uh, local police and sheriff acting like we're going to arrest you for not paying taxes. These are scams that continue. They're pervasive. They're sinister. Uh, everybody's getting the call. It seems like it used to be maybe senior citizens. It used to be those who were new to the country who didn't understand that the IRS doesn't do business that way. Now it's just it's rampant. It continues. Uh, but just know if you're getting a call from the IRS uh, threatening uh, pay taxes immediately and you know we're going to arrest you, not the IRS doing business. It's a scam. And they continue, and the best thing you can do is to ignore it. Thanks very much. It's Rafael Tolino. I've known him for 15-plus years. He's with the IRS. Um, he comes on to spread information, positive information, um, useful products, useful projects that they've put together for you, the consumer. Um, Rafael Tolino with the IRS. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. We'll come back in just a moment.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. The FOMC rate decision is going to cross today at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Pacific. Having worked on Wall Street, my mind always goes back to East Coast time, which is just bizarre. Um, the Federal Reserve is expected to raise rates to one one percent, maybe 25 basis points. Um, the stronger the number, the more reaction we're going to get. Crude oil is dipped back below $37 a barrel. Strength in utilities, telecom, industrials, and consumer discretionary. Basically, some safe areas, except for that consumer discretionary. And uh, weakness in energy, materials, and technology. The commodity uh, oil has given up its entire gain from yesterday. Uh, oil is incredibly weak. And this year's weakness, junk bonds and oil, could be next year's big winners. But you got to wait because at this time of year, people are telling their broker, look, I need to cut down on my taxes. We need to harvest some losses. And you'll see some selling. Offsetting winners with losers uh, can ma- help manage your taxes. If you don't have winners, you sell your losers, um, and you wait 30 days and you invest in them again, and you get a little tax consideration for it. And that's the thought. Uh, weakness today in Citigroup and Bank of America, um, of which if the Federal Reserve does raise interest rates, uh, I think the sectors that will do well in the next three years primarily is the financial sector, You'll see insurance, ETF, uh, KIE, Prudential, individual stock, MetLife do well, Bank uh, ETF, XLF, Bank of America, Citigroup. Uh, There's many, many winners in this area. So with that said, insurance companies do well because they collect money from you every month. And it's right now it's sitting in the bank. And they promise you something like, I'm going to give you a promise on your life insurance They need to go out and have that money earn money. And when interest rates are zero, it's really, really tough on them. So you get the idea, I think. Um, I don't think it's outrageous. Uh, I think today is one of those days where people put on a different lens. And they go, okay, Bank of America looks different today than it did yesterday. Because if interest rates are higher, that means they're going to make more money on credit cards. They're going to make more money on short-term loans. that They're going to end up ultimately selling to someone else. Uh, you know, it's no coincidence that you get a lot of credit card inquiries um, right around this time. So what will the Fed's move mean for mortgage rates? Not a lot, because this is short-term money, not long-term money. What it means in the short-term of borrowing, not much at all. What it means in the long-term of inflation, something. Because the Federal Reserve, as they raise interest rates, it's telling you that the economy in their eyes are doing well. And if economies do well, that means you have a job. If you have a job, that means you have a paycheck. If you have a paycheck, you spend that paycheck. If you have to spend that paycheck, you start competing with other people who are spending their paycheck. And since everyone has a job because things are going well and interest rates go higher, eventually that creates inflation if everyone has a job and spends their paycheck. Now, the Federal Reserve tends to cut interest rates when people are losing jobs. Um, long story short, the mortgage, it does hit mortgages because um, – there's now more expectation of higher inflation down the road. And that's where the mortgage companies, that's where the lending companies have to you know, be careful. So you'll see your mortgage rate go up ever so slightly. And if you're on a short-term mortgage loan, it's going to go up quickly. Um, so if you're using like a seven-year arm and you 
can barely afford your payment, your payment's probably going to go up a little bit. So hopefully you accounted for that. Anyhow, and anyway, um, I'm digressing quite a bit here, and I don't mean to. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. I think this is obviously one of the bigger stories, uh, not of the year. It's like, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be so upset. Uh, because it means we'll have to talk about it again, you know, next quarter. Um, but as the new year starts, this, this is a good time to do it. Um, the market, it's going to take on its own direction. There's nothing I could do about that. And uh, I think you just have to kind of understand that. Some industrial stocks getting hit pretty hard today. That's worthy of note. Um, FedEx is going to report numbers tonight after the close. FedEx is a company that a lot of people go holiday season. It's going to be a great one. Um, another record peak holiday season. It's going to be adding headcount ahead of the holidays. They're going to say a lot of seasonal workers will have an opportunity to stay on. FedEx is expected to move 317 million shipments between Black Friday and Christmas Eve, up 12.4% year over year. Uh, FedEx is attempting to stabilize above multi-month lows ahead of tonight's report. There's been some steady selling pressure since its fourth quarter. Shares are down about 20% in that time frame. The company missed expectations and lowered their full-year guidance. A difficult economic environment has weighed on the shipping giant. But there's also some potential highlights ahead, including the holiday season, guiding for 12% growth, like I just said. They also have made strides to reduce expenses at its express segment, which has underperformed and unfortunately represents about 55% of their revenues. So at 12 times earnings, it's currently at, I think it's really cheap. And I think you could take a look at it. UPS is trading about 17 times earnings. Historically, FedEx is traded between 12 and 20. Now, that number 12 is a little bit bogus when you're missing earnings because that's going to be compounded in the future. Um, but I think it's an interesting speculation at this point in time. And when I say speculation, I think it's very low risk for the long term. In the short term, all stocks are speculative um, because you're, you know, what the Fed does may affect them. So, but the FedEx is going to set the plate ultimately for the fiscal second quarter earnings. Um, as we move into the last quarter of the year, a lot of companies have already started their their year. Um, 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Um, Facebook me, uh, cron4rob black. It's cron4rob black. I'm going to be putting more and better content up there as the year unfolds next year. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.